If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 161 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 30th day of October of the year 2022. Well, that was that, right? When we last spoke last Sunday, it was just before the game started, Game 4, against the Astros. I was not feeling good about the Yankees' odds heading into it. And because of that, one might even say that I had already read the obituary for the Yankees' 2022 season. And I hate to report that I was correct for feeling that way. Of course, held out some hope that they could keep the series going. Nothing's ever over until it's truly over. But uh, needless to say, based on my tone and the things I was saying last week, I think it's pretty safe to say that I was not feeling good about their odds in Game 4, let alone the series as a whole, down three games to freaking nothing. So to say I wasn't surprised by Game 4's result would be a lie. However, I was surprised because it went a different way than I thought in the sense that, especially from the offense, the theme of the game and what happened was different from games 1 through 3 in which the offense did little to nothing. They actually showed some spirit in game 4. It was really the pitching this time that kind of let them down. All the runs allowed, despite how many times the offense tried to jump out in front. And I don't know why, I just had a gut feeling in me, and trust me, I hate feeling this way. If you think I get pleasure out of feeling this way, then you just don't know anything about me. As a person, as a fan, anything. But, for some reason, I had an experience during Game 4 that I hadn't really ever felt during a playoff game especially. I couldn't really get excited if anything positive even really happened for the Yankees. Like, even Bader's go-ahead home run later in the game, when I believe he made it 5-4, to four, I barely got excited for it. I don't know why I had a gut feeling that they just still weren't going to win. I swear, you could ask anybody if you were able to, who was watching the game with me. I really didn't get that excited. I was like, oh, Bader, you know, he's done a great job this postseason, great job to him, glad he gave him the lead, of course. But I wouldn't let myself get too excited because a part of me already knew that that game was not going to end the way we would have liked for it to. I just knew. I don't know how else to put it. I don't want to come on here and make him believe I'm some sort of a prophet, but I just had a feeling that game was not going to end with a victory. And it didn't. And obviously, considering it was right before this game, the last time we spoke, there's not really much to recap. It's just this game, so I guess we could slam it right out of the way, right out of the gate at the beginning of the episode if you want. We could just get the recap over with. But basically in this game, like I said, 
the offense actually did quite a bit. And they got started right away in the bottom of the first off Lance McCullers, who did not have a good start. And it would have been nice to do even more damage on him early on, especially because they had elevated his pitch count so much. And it seemed like almost every inning early on from the earlier part of the game to the middle part of the game, it seemed like he was close to allowing runs or he did allow runs. And if the Yankees could have put the game out of reach, maybe this would have had a different result. But even then, they still didn't do quite enough. But of course, the pitching did not do them any favors either. But in the bottom of the first, they got started with a Stanton RBI single. Glaber Torres got an RBI single, made it 2 to nothing right away. Glaber on a blooper, so that's that's that. It was 2 nothing. And then bottom of the second, Anthony Rizzo, RBI double, down the left field line with the shift on, 3 nothing. But then in the top of the third, this was really the moment where I stopped allowing myself to feel any sort of excitement. Because right when this happened, the feeling just came through that, okay, At this point, the Astros have come back, and no matter what the Yankees do to try to put themselves back out in front for the rest of the game, the same kind of thing is going to happen as it did now. And I ended up being right, and I hate that I ended up being right. I don't like being right about things like that. But Nestor was pitching the game, and needless to say, he did not have his best stuff. He barely lasted in the game, only going two innings, allowing three runs. And those three runs being this game-tying three-run shot I was about to tell you about in the top of the third by Jeremy Pena, who just killed the Yankees in this series and would ultimately go on to win the ALCS MVP, and deservedly so. But that tied the game at three. And Nestor came out of the game with a groin injury. When this jam by the Astros was forming, it seemed like the Yankees were willing to look into him a little bit. They might have thought that something was going on with him, but they left Nestor in the game. And then he would ultimately give up this three-run shot to Pena. And then right after the home run was when they came out and took him out of the game. And they announced later that it was a groin injury. Now, if you remember... I thought this was a bit of a phantom IL stint at the time to give his arm a little rest, but the Yankees did put him on the injured list some time ago with a groin injury as well. So he would leave with another groin injury here. And later on, Aaron Boone said that he's ha- he's been having this trouble since his first playoff start, which was Game 2 against the Guardians. Okay, so if that were true, let me get this straight, I was saying to myself. He's been experiencing this since Game 2 of the prior series against the Guardians. And I know everything was on the line. I understand that. They had a 2-1 deficit to come back from, and Game 5, everything was on the line. The season was on the line. Everything. But you still pitched Nestor on short rest? when he was dealing with a groin problem already? I mean, I know you had to put one of your best, if not your absolute best, out there in a game where you're leaving everything out there because your entire season's on the line, but you still pitched him on short rest? And then again here in this series, you pitched him again? I I don't know. These kind of things, it just speaks for themselves, guys, with the Yankees. That's, that's all I can really say at this point. I'm just kind of tapped out like I was last week. I didn't do, I did what, little to no 
raising of my voice last week, and I explained why, and it's the same reason for this week. How many times are you going to blow a gasket over the same thing? And I'm sorry to those of you who like my rants and find them entertaining and enjoy hearing me tell the truth. Well, I could tell the truth with a monotone voice, too, when I'm completely tapped out and just exhausted from watching the same thing over and over again year after year. That's possible, too. (laughs) You ever thought of that? So, it was 3-3 three to three after that, Nestor came out of the game, and coming into the game after that, after Nestor left with an injury, was Wandy Peralta, coming in really early in the third inning, and you knew that if the Yankees were to piece their way to the end of the game and somehow come out with this win, it would have to take a miracle, especially having to throw Wandy Peralta back into the bullpen pitcher into the game this early after he's pitched basically every single game in the playoffs up to this point. It's been a, he had been a workhorse out of that bullpen. He came into the game, and the Astros ended up getting another when Yuli Goriel snuck a ground ball through the right field hole, made it 4-3, to three, and the Yankees came back a little bit. Anthony Rizzo... On a ground ball up the middle, tied the game at four, RBI single, in the bottom of the fourth. And the bottom of the sixth, this is the home run that I mentioned before, Harrison Bader putting the Yankees ahead with a solo shot in the bottom of the sixth, his fifth home run of the playoffs. Definitely got to say before, if for nothing else, like I said earlier, I was excited for Bader because he was definitely the best hitter this postseason. Bader really ended up making a difference, and... As hard as I am on this organization for some of the moves they made, and rightfully so, uh, Bader was a good one. That one ended up working out, despite me scratching my head over it originally, which I think it's safe to say all of us were. But, my God, what a presence he turned out to be in the playoffs, huh? He tried his best. And yeah, he had his mistakes, especially defensively, obviously. Not forgetting about that, but especially with the bat, he did his damn best, man. He really made an impact. But then... It all went downhill. Like I said, with that Bader home run, I couldn't I couldn't really allow myself to feel full excitement because I just I knew it wasn't gonna end well. I just did. Top of the seventh was really when things went downhill, needless to say. And this inning didn't even have to happen. <laughs> it really didn't. Because Martin Maldonado, the inning started off with him striking out. Altuve just, I mean, this is one of the closest plays I'd ever seen, just beat out a ball running down to first, an infield grounder to Anthony Rizzo, and Rizzo tried to beat him, but just couldn't do it. And then this one right here, with Altuve on first, Pena hit a ground ball, should have ended the inning, and kept the Yankees in the lead. But... Remember last week when I was talking about how unbelievable it is? Not just the fact in itself of how incapable the Yankees are of defeating Houston ever, especially in big spots, but also how whenever they play them, they forget even their most basic instincts. And how every negative part of the team somehow finds a way to rear its ugly head against Houston. And how even defense, faults in defense was one of those things that we've seen throughout the year here and there. And it just all seemed to, at one point or another, every aspect of it show its 
ugly face at one point or another in this series. Well, I said all that last week, and it's funny because just a couple of hours after I said that, after I was done recording, it happened yet again here in Game 4 in a crucial spot that ended up resulting in complete disaster. Another instance of giving a team like the Astros extra outs to work with, which will never work out well. Ever. And if you think there's a chance of it working out well, ever... You are fooling yourself. Pena hits a ground ball to Glaber. Glaber flips it to short. Not the best flip. I'll say that much. But IKF at shortstop. Putting his glove only in one spot as if the throw has to be in that exact spot as opposed to being a flexible fielder that should be ready for any kind of a throw so that you protect the bag, so that you don't allow an error to take place, even if it's not the best flip, which it wasn't. But this flip was plenty playable if IKF wasn't so rigid with his fielding and just putting his glove in one spot and expecting it to be absolutely perfect and expecting it to be in that precise spot. Because he's not a shortstop, people. How many months have we been regurgitating this same stuff? And what do you know? It came out again here. And Glaber gets the error, and to be honest with you, while I will again admit that it wasn't the best flip, that was a receiving throw that a shortstop needs to make. And we've spoken about for months how strangely the official scorers in a lot of games, this happened in a lot of instances, but unless it was a really blatant and undeniable error at shortstop, it really seems like the official scorers did not give IKF nearly as many errors as he really deserved throughout this season. And this was another instance, in my opinion. I believed, although it wasn't the best flip again, I think that this error deserved to go to IKF. I think he had to wear this one. But it went to Glaber. And like in so many other instances, in my opinion at least, IKF did not get an error that should have been his. I just don't understand it. But the throw got away, and that allowed Altuve to reach second, and everybody to be safe, as opposed to the inning being over, And you just knew. (laughs) You knew what was going to happen after that. And my boy Loisaga was on the mound, pitching his heart out, doing a great job like he has done since he returned from the injured list, looking like his 2021 self yet again. And he should have been out of this inning. He should have been. And yeah, pitchers can just buckle down and get the job done even after something like this takes place. But the inning should have been over. That's a fact. You can't be in this sort of a position, one of the last four teams remaining, and not be able to turn a double play like that. And I know all kinds of errors in history have taken place on even bigger stages. I understand that because they're human beings. They're still going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter what game they're playing of what kind of importance. I understand that. But this was a play. I mean... (laughs) It was as tailor-made as you can get, man. 
routine flip to your shortstop and the shortstop making a routine play. It was your typical double play turn that you practice in spring training. You got to make that play. You have to make these plays, especially in this spot. So after this, Jordan Alvarez shockingly ties the game with an RBI single, makes it 5-5. to Clay Holmes comes in after. Alex Bregman, RBI single, driving in the go-ahead run. And the Yankee offense, shockingly, went down lifelessly. Nobody even reached base after that happened. The Yankees just looked defeated like they did for the entirety of Game 3 nearly. Just had the life sucked out of them. And you could hear all of the air just being taken out of Yankee Stadium. It's like everybody accepted it. And that put the bow on quite possibly one of the most embarrassing sweeps in in history for the Yankees. Humiliating. You can't win games giving the Astros extra outs to work with via errors. That IKF and Glaber mistake was the sixth error of the playoffs. Six. In a handful of games. These are things that championship teams do not do on a regular basis. That The Yankees did on a somewhat regular basis at best. Just not going to work. So again, that sealed the deal. That was that. And you look back on it, and you just see that outside of... You really just go up and down the roster. Outside of Hayter, Rizzo, Stanton here and there. Still had his ugly at-bats, but other than them, I mean, the bats were just pitiful. I mean, you want to talk about all the instances throughout the year, like when you saw Aaron Judge slumping, how the rest of the team would follow suit, and he was doing well. You know, he really carried the team. Well, Judge really did little to nothing at all in this postseason, admittedly so, even though I still don't agree with booing the guy, but you can't also deny reality. The guy did nothing in the playoffs, little to nothing. Did hit a couple of home runs, but they really went according to what Aaron Judge does, and there are still people out there Arguing with me, telling me that, you know, let him walk. It's He's not that important. He didn't come through and it mattered. Screw him. You really think the Yankees will be, be able to compete for anything without Aaron Judge? You want to keep trying to convince yourself of that? This is really the best example of it. This team did little to nothing, almost got taken out by a Cleveland Guardians team. One of the youngest teams in the league, if not the youngest and with a fraction of the payroll of the Yankees. And then having what happened against Houston happen, which was not only an ugly reminder of the past, but an even bigger embarrassment than the prior two. Because at least the prior two, the 17 and 19 teams put their all into that. They may have lost, and those may have been painful but they did not go down without a fight. This series was pathetic. I spoke about games one through three last week, and I told you about game four just now. 
even though you yourself, of course, already watched it a week ago. And I've had a week to sit on this, and it's just pathetic. I don't really know what else there is to say about it that hasn't already been said by me or others. I mean, this it's pathetic what took place in this series, and the team should be ashamed of themselves. I know there are a lot of people out there saying that us Yankee fans are being far too hard on this team, you know, a team that made it to the Final Four. You know, you can't make any changes because, you know, some other teams would only dream of such things. This is the Yankees, guys. This is the Yankees, who were expected to put a champion on the field every year, even though I know, realistically, that is not possible for anybody. Because otherwise, the best teams in all sports... The ones with the highest payrolls and the best histories would win every year, but of course, that does not happen in any sport. Can't win every single year. I understand that. But this is an organization that is expected to put their best foot forward. Expected to fight to the finish, even if you do lose. And expected to do everything they can to improve the issues of the team for the next year after they come up short. And it's been 13 years of coming up short. It's just, this was a more pathetic ending than I can remember in many other times when I expected so much more out of this team, especially in this series. I had the Astros in six. I still had the Astros winning objectively as much as I hated making that prediction. But I had the Yankees putting up a better fight than this. I had the series going six freaking games. At least six. And you go down in four? Two of them in front of your home crowd the way you did? Sickening. When you look at the pitching in this series, they did the best they could, but in the end, the Astros, like I said last week, and this continued, they came through in the precise moments that mattered And then when you factor that in, them coming through when it matters in those big moments. And then on the other side, your opponent, the Yankees, not being able to put anything together offensively. Well, you just can't win when you don't score runs. Astros coming through and it matters. Yankees not scoring. Not answering back. Not creating traffic on the bases, and when they do, blowing the opportunity. You can't win when you don't score. It's the age-old tale. Why is it age-old? Well, perhaps because it's true. (laughs) You ever thought of that? And now, after analyzing the travesty that we just witnessed against Houston, failing yet again against them, To make things even better than all the emotions that we have to experience following such a disaster of a series. Even before the end of the World Series, which is still going on, we're waiting on Game 3. Astros and Phillies, who predicted that. Everybody drew that up, right? Heading into Game 3. But before the end of the World Series even, all the speculation and the noise, and then some. (laughs) It's all begun already before you even have a chance to process what just happened in the ALCS. What the Yankees should do going forward, all the Aaron Judge stuff and speculation, 
Even the media talking about the fans, which I got to tell you, reeks of front office and typical media crap. I mean, how about all that mess? Blaming the fans? All this stuff going down the last week, putting out the notion, anonymously of course, and from reporters like Bob Clappish and Andy Martino, who no one trusts as far as they can throw them, that anonymous players or people were basically disturbed about the harshness of Yankee Stadium and the fans, the booing particularly of Aaron Judge, which you guys know I've said that I disagree with booing him. I even said that again earlier, but it's all putting out this notion that players may not want to play here because of the harshness of the fans. As if anybody doesn't already know that that's how it is here. The booing, the passion. And I'll be the first to say that certain fans take things way too far. They do death threats, they threaten the players or their families or friends or any. Of course, I don't condone anything of those sorts of disgraceful behavior. That goes without saying. That stuff is unacceptable. And unfortunately, it happens far too often. But also, in that same breath, let's not also pretend like this is the only town that that happens in, first of all. Not saying that two wrongs make a right, but that doesn't only happen here. And second of all, like I said before too, everyone and their mother... Even people within the organization who always say it, they know whether you or I disagrees with it, depending on the scenario, that booing is going to happen here if guys don't perform. It's happened to the greatest of Yankee legends. Now, is it ridiculous in some of those cases or all of them? Yeah, you could think that it is. I think it's ridiculous that it's happened to Judge. But it is a far gone conclusion that that is going to happen here to guys who don't perform. And everyone says it because everyone knows it. It's just a thing to expect when you come here. Yankee fans have a passion that some would consider to be unmatched. I'm unbelievably passionate. I'm still rational, but that passion is off the charts. As it even often is on this very show. And it's okay to show that. Even if it's in a way that even I don't want. Like, you think I enjoy feeling extremely upset, for instance, about my organization being only a year away from tying their biggest pennant drought? Not even World Series drought, but pennant drought? In over a hundred years? No, I don't enjoy feeling that way. But whose fault is that that that's happened? The fans? I mean, I'll tell you, if they truly think that, then this organization, well, they better start investing in some mirrors so that they can look themselves in it far more often because it ain't happening nearly enough now, if that's the case. But this discussion about the harshness of the fans and how it may affect the decisions of players playing here in the future, it's, it's all really sketchy. Especially amongst one of the most 
pivotal off-seasons ever for the Yankees as a decision about Aaron Judge looms. I mean, does it get much more pivotal when talking about a turning point for an organization? With that just around the corner? I don't know, it seems like a lot of front office through the media nonsense. Blaming the fans instead of themselves for their continued failures year after year after year after year. And I'm just not about that kind of crap at all. Ever. Especially knowing that this organization has been documented to be incapable of accountability. We know this. They even made the social media post before this postseason saying, no moral victories, no excuses. And then before you knew it, they were making excuses again. The anonymity in the articles makes it weird. Who's pushing the articles makes it even weirder. (laughs) The narrative, right after everything that just went down and the kind of off-season ahead, just the timing of it all makes it weird. So you got all that crap happening, just so much noise. And it's a typical kind of off-season noise, but and I've tried to tune it out, although I supposed that I had to at least mention it today since it is happening, so I did. But I've tried to turn a blind eye towards all of it and just started thinking of all the ways or as many ways that immediately came to mind in which the Yankees could truly get better for the future. I mean, that's been the natural order of things these last 13 years of failure in achieving their ultimate goal, being the World Series. And that is the ultimate goal. Guys like Aaron Judge, former legends like Jeter and so on, even George Steinbrenner, amongst all the criticisms of him, the valid criticisms, and all of his successes as well, would tell you the same thing, that when you're a Yankee, it should be about the World Series. That's just how winners see things. And it could be a harsh way to view things, especially in the eyes of fans who don't get to experience many championships, if any, at all, really. They might see that as a ridiculous mindset, and that's fine. It's whatever. They're not Yankee fans, so... But... That's how winners view things. It's at least how my idol Jeter viewed things. That anything short of a World Series is a failure. And yeah, you could acknowledge the winning regular seasons and be impressed by that. It is an impressive feat. It's not easy to have three decades worth consecutively of winning seasons. It's not easy either. But if you're with the Yankees, you should understand that you're in it for the championship. Aaron Judge understands that. That's the only thing he ever talks about, wanting to win. Jeter understood that. Guys like George understood that. And people within the Yankee fan base may view that as ridiculous as well, and they're okay with settling for good regular seasons or making it decently far into the playoffs, and more power to you if you do. That's just not the way that I feel, and I guess we're just different in that sense. But this has been the same thing said year after year, guys, since I started this show And even longer before that, to my loved ones who I've spoken to before I was able to even get on social media and talk about sports, but even before this show, even used to say it on Twitter. Been saying it since the Yankees have been coming up short since after 09. 
You come up short, it's a failure in my eyes. That's just that. And that's also why I'm not yelling about it as much this time around because, again, how many times are you going to nearly pop a blood vessel over the same thing? And I get that this was more frustrating in a lot of ways than a lot of the other times I came up short. What can I tell you, though? I just I saw it coming after the first couple of games. The writing was on the wall already for me, as much as I hate to say it. It just was. I was somewhat confident heading into Game 3 because I did know that Cole and Nestor were coming up, and they were coming home, and they could turn the tide in this thing. Hell, the 2017 team took it to Game 7, and they lost the first two games in Houston, and they were able to turn it around winning three games at home. So I didn't put that out of the realm of possibility. But I just didn't like how so many of the blatant and laughable mistakes that the Yankees made all throughout the year were rearing their ugly heads in those first two games in Houston. It made me worried. But then, of course, seeing how the bats were in Game 3 and after Game 3, my, my mind was made up. I didn't know when they were going to be eliminated, but I certainly didn't have a good feeling about Game 4. And Game 4 was all it took. It's another year of failure, guys. That's that. That's why the title is what it is. First thing that I said, well, that was that. Because we were talking before Game 4 last week, and then that's all it took. So, (laughs) quite simply put, that was that. So now here we are. In another Yankee offseason, obviously nothing is really truly allowed to happen yet until the World Series is done, which is also why I have tried to tune out much of the noise, especially regarding Aaron Judge. And like I said, before we could even process what the hell even just happened in that freaking ALCS, all this stuff already starting up. Reports coming out that nobody's going to outbid the Giants to have Aaron Judge come back home to the West Coast. The Dodgers are in on him. All kinds of teams with high payrolls are in on him. All this noise with the media about the fans. All this stuff started not a day or two after the end of the ALCS. It's crazy. (laughs) Just, you can't even catch a break with it. It's insane. But basically the thing that I tried to stay focused on was just thinking about what do you do now that we're in the offseason? What can the Yankees do to again try to take a crack at improving this team so that they could win a title Next year. 12 months from now. A really annoying expression. As Derek Jeter said in his documentary, which I couldn't agree with more, how his least favorite expression and the most irritating one he has heard is, we'll get him next year. Like he said, that is 12 months away. And it's a bad mindset to get trapped in because before you know it, you're going to go year after year after year after year without winning crap. Because that's just the line of thought you get caught up in at that point. But we have no choice now, now that they're out. So what could the Yankees do going forward? It makes one think. Well, I'll give you a list of some things right now. First and foremost, re-sign Judge. As easy as that. I don't even want to hear the excuses. There are none. Well, there were none in the playoffs, too, and look how that turned out. But with this, there are also no excuses. Because this is the New York Yankees we're talking about. They did not do certain other things in the past 
so that they could pay him this year, like not getting at least one of those shortstops in that elite shortstop class last winter. They did not get one, and one of those reasons was because in the back of their mind, they were preparing to have to pay Judge. And if you could afford to give someone like Josh Donaldson $25 million, you could pay Aaron Judge whatever in the hell it is that he wants. I know this guy had a rough playoffs, guys. I know. But you're fooling yourself if you think that this team could do anything legitimate with this currently constructed roster without the help of Aaron Judge. You saw what happens when he slumps. And you see what happens when he is on his A game. If not for him, the Yankees probably would have blown the division. I'm confident in saying that they most likely would have. Because the only games that they would win most of the time, like 98% of the time, were games in which he carried them to victory amidst his historic home run chase. That a lot of people will be first to say did him in. Ultimately, maybe it did. The pressure, the physicality of it all. Maybe he was tired in the end. Maybe he was. Who knows? We're not Aaron Judge. We don't know. We don't know what's going on in his mind truly. But in any event, for all those reasons put together, with this team right now, going into 2023, if you think that they are going to be able to contend for anything legitimately. Will they have their good time? Sure. But if you think they're going to win a title without him, you're fooling yourself. You are completely kidding yourself and talking yourself into a reality that just doesn't exist. And if I end up being wrong, like always, I will be the first one in line to admit it and call myself a jackass. Gladly. Anytime the Yankees win. But I'm just telling you right now, that's the deal. So you bring back Aaron Judge, you give him what he wants. You're the Yankees. Do what you gotta do. Getting rid of him would be catastrophic. Not for all the reasons that I just mentioned pertaining to factors on the field. But for the matter of business as well. And I'm sure Hal Steinbrenner isn't stupid in this regard. But think of how much money that Aaron Judge makes this organization. Think of how many people go to the games or maybe even follow the team, period, because of this man and how known he is and how respected he is because of how great he's been and the history that we just witnessed. People all over the world tuning in amongst this historic home run chase to see if he could do it. You dedicated a portion of the stadium to this man in right center field by putting the judge's chambers there at the beginning of his career. From a marketing and business standpoint, it would also be catastrophic to let Judge go. I doubt the Yankees need me to tell them that, but if they do, well, that's concerning. So you re-sign Judge no matter what, first and foremost. Here's another one. Make sure you hold on to Anthony Rizzo if he opts out. That's got to be the next thing. I know a lot of people weren't a fan of him hitting for low average, feel like he could have more RBIs, 
but in just about every single other offensive stat, the guy was dominant this year, especially for his age. Still hitting as many home runs as he did, still being the great glove that he is, being the presence that he is for the team, being a lefty, balancing out the lineup. And when you factor all those positives in, along with the fact, of course, that he's a former world champion, so he knows what it takes to win, and likely would like to again, (laughs) I would have to imagine, then I tend to ignore things like batting average, especially when he would come through in big situations, like he has. He's been a big bat for the Yankees and a big presence for them overall. And I tend to not really care that a guy batted only 220 or 230. There are a lot of other things to look at and consider. And the fact that he might have only had 70 to 80 RBIs, as if that has somehow become a really bad thing now. Anthony Rizzo is a presence and a player that you want to keep around. Keep him. If he opts out, hold on. That's number two. Number three, which for some people might even be number one, and I can't blame you people for having this at number one if you do. (laughs) Dump the dead weight. Most importantly, players like Josh Donaldson, like Aaron Hicks, dump them. Do what you have to do. I'm not saying that this will definitely happen, and that the Yankees will do it. I'm saying if you want anyone to take you seriously, and if you want to have a better chance at winning, then you find a way to dump the dead weight. If it's sacking up and eating the extreme and undeserved amount of money on Josh Donaldson's absurd contract, then you do it. You're the Yankees. If it means finding a way to package Aaron Hicks in some sort of a trade along with some other names perhaps, or eating a chunk of or all of his remaining salary, you do what you have to do. You're the Yankees. Having pieces of dead weight on this team helps nothing especially when they're making money that they don't deserve, especially in the case of Josh Donaldson. At least someone can argue to me that, oh, Aaron Hicks is only making about $10 million a year. Fine. What about Josh making twenty-five for doing nothing with the bat? I understand he had his defensive pluses, but they got him for more than that. This is a player who, when asked about him, Asked why he acquired him in exchange for someone like Gio Urshela, Brian Cashman last spring said, We appreciate everything that Gio did here. He was a great player, but he's no Josh Donaldson. Are you sure about that? Maybe if you were talking about Josh Donaldson seven years ago in his MVP days, you'd be correct. But I think sometimes this organization forgets what year it is. You do what you have to do to dump the dead weight. Whether it be eating most of or all of their contracts, finding a way to package them in any trade that you can while also eating a portion, if not all, of their contracts, you find a way to dump Donaldson and Hicks. Next up, how about IKF? I say let the guy go. 
But I also did hear some people mention another alternative, and I wouldn't be opposed to this. I heard some people saying that it would be okay if they maybe bring IKF back on another one or one year deal, maybe, let's say that, one year, and just a few million dollars, maybe, and bring him back as utility. As a utility man, I wouldn't mind that. I just can't have this guy starting, and I especially cannot have him playing shortstop anymore, especially not on a regular basis. I cannot. I mean, this is a guy who was praised for his defense and his all-around ability by this Yankee organization all year long, especially in the face of him just being terrible for most of the year. And this was also the same guy who the Yankees barely started for half of the playoffs. The guy who they vouched for. The guy who they defended viciously, calling him a top shortstop defender in the league, didn't start about half of the playoff games. Start or play in about half of the playoff games. This is the kind of clown show that the Yankees continue to find themselves in somehow Every October, it seems like. And the names may change year by year, but the same sort of theme continues to happen in one way or the other. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? But no, the fans are to blame, guys. We're too harsh. We boo too much. Now, this is coming from someone who doesn't boo their own players very much, only when it's, I mean, the the performances are just abysmal to be kind. Especially not Aaron Judge. I would never boo Aaron Judge. Can't. Already said I disagree with that. But, again, you see the same sort of patterns happening, even if the names change year by year. And you just wonder, is that really the fans' fault? (laughs) Are you freaking kidding me? So that's what you do with IKF anyway. (laughs) If you don't keep him around as utility, bring him back as some sort of a utility piece for the infield, then let him go, I guess. But I wouldn't be opposed to having him as a utility man. I guess not. But I mean, again, we know that I didn't want him in the first place. From the day that the Minnesota trade was announced back in March, I will continue to pat myself on the back for this because... I mean, the proof is there. I could literally pull up the tweets on Twitter from about eight months ago. When the trade was announced, eight plus months ago. But regardless of whether or not I was a prophet with that trade, with IKF and Donaldson, even if you want to use the placeholder excuse, well, guys, his placeholder role has been fulfilled. There is zero reason for him to be around regularly. Maybe as a utility guy, if and when you need him. But regularly? Especially after proving in general what I've been saying for so long now that he is not a shortstop. Especially not the one the Yankees preached. And again, while not starting him in a chunk of the playoff games either. But the role has been fulfilled. I mean, next year... At some point, Volpe, Peraza as well, Cabrera, one of the kids needs to take the reins. And I tell you, it better be worth it with how much faith was put in, not signing a shortstop last year. And 
it just better be worth it. But that's also the fault of the Yankees, by the way. Making us fans feel that way by doing this sort of thing. And you may call me ridiculous by saying, oh, the Yankees aren't forcing you to think any sort of a way. But they put the narratives out there that almost do make you feel that sort of a way. Because they don't make certain necessary moves that need to be made at certain points in time, depending on the year. And a reason that they'll use, especially in this instance, is that, oh, because of what we got ahead. What's ahead? Well, because at that point, you're putting a very unrealistic expectation on the shoulders of those young players in the eyes of the fans at that point. Because then at that point, when what needs to be done is not done by this organization and the kids are given as a reason, then what do the fans say? Oh, this kid better be the next Mickey Mantle. It's set up for disappointment. You understand? That's... That's what's done by this organization. So if Volpe even comes up and does just a decent job, if he's just good, how many fans are going to have an issue with that? Tons of them. Especially if after everything, the kid turns out to be a bust. And I'm going to feel bad for the kid. I mean, yeah, listen, you got to come up and perform. A lot of this blame has to fall on players too for the failing and, and, you know, underperforming, no matter what word you want to use. Blame goes to the players as well. But like I said, you also can't ignore the constant patterns that continue every year. The miscalculations by the organization. But that's what that sort of a thing does. It puts unrealistic expectations on the kids. I mean, people were talking about that very thing happening a year or two ago with Jason Dominguez, how he was being talked up about how he was going to be the next Mickey Mantle, the next big Yankee guy, the next franchise player. And especially when things like that are given as a reason as to why the necessary moves aren't made that could really improve the Yankees, that just adds to it. The unrealistic expectations being placed on kids but that's the line of thought it puts you in. They better be worth it, or otherwise they'll be hell to pay. That's the mindset that fans go into as a result of things like that. So, regardless of how you feel about that, though, the placeholder role at shortstop has been fulfilled. It's it's good to go. So, one of those three kids has to be ready to take the reins at some point next year. Even if it takes playing one of them and waiting for another one and then eventually having them take over. The placeholder role is done. You can't use that anymore. Because at the very least, Peraza got some looks. Should have gotten even more, but he got some looks. And I assume he's going to play all of or most of spring training. And you should start things out with him at shortstop, especially with especially with the defensive capabilities that he showed. I mean, even in the Astros series, see those few unbelievable plays he made? Give the kid a shot. So IKF, if he's to return, at nothing more than a utility role. It's got to be it. To be honest with you guys, I also, on another subject, wouldn't even be that sad to see Glaber go at this point, if we're being honest. I mean, did he have his best season since 2019? 
Yeah, he did. Are the numbers that he put up throughout the season bad for a second baseman? No, they're really not that bad. Was he visibly better defensively as a whole at second base than he was at shortstop in 2021 especially? Yeah, he was better. But still so often, guys, when it comes to Glaber, he had his moments where he was great, especially in the first half, looking like the comeback player of the year. And then again, he had those couple of months where he did legitimately nothing in the time where the Yankees started to just fall off a cliff. He was a big part of that, just doing nothing. And that's still alarming. And so often you still see those mental flaws throughout games, moments where he just doesn't even really seem like he's paying attention. And even his lack of baseball IQ at times, I would even say, especially throughout his prolonged slumps. And players go through that, I understand, but with Glaber, it's different. The slumps are bad, and they're long. When he's good, he's exciting. But he's very inconsistent in the sense of him being good and his slumps. How long the slumps last, and then him making a stupid mistake, just throwing things off the rails. It's alarming. You st- so you still, even though it was an improved season, can't deny that, you still saw the concerning signs of old in Glaber throughout. And especially, again, if one of the kids like Volpe or Cabrera or Peraza, I would just focus on keeping Peraza short at least to start. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they don't have Volpe come up to start the season because they're probably going to want to manipulate his service time like they do with everybody because that's just the way of the freaking sport now, especially the Yankees. So even if he's not ready eventually, then you call up Volpe. If you don't want to start him at shortstop right away, then maybe you could put him at second. And with if Glaber's gone, then that's open. And Cabrera could also help out if he's not too busy being outfield utility again. So, even though I acknowledge Glaber's improvements this year, I acknowledge all of that, but I would not be upset to see him go. I I, I wouldn't. Especially if it means getting a return of someone who would really help this team. Like, at the trade deadline, when it was rumored that he was in a trade package ready to go with the Marlins for the Yankees acquiring Pablo Lopez. So the Yankees have had thoughts of trading him. And the fact that he did show improvements this year may very well have helped in boosting his trade value too. So with all that being said, pretty much three out of the four infield positions next year, everyone other than Rizzo, I want changed. Done. The one that I'd be okay with either way for the most part, like I said, I guess it would be Glaber, but I I wouldn't be upset if he went. So if he went, then the only position in the infield I want remaining the same for next year is Anthony Rizzo at first base. That's it. Done. I'd be okay with keeping Trevino at catcher, but I wouldn't be completely opposed to a change depending on who it is. Obviously, there were a lot of catchers available last year that we spoke about and that I was upset they didn't get. And things were starting out real rough at the beginning when they got Ben Rortved in that Minnesota trade and he started out hurt and never even saw a Yankee at bat in the majors because of how much time he spent hurt and then he was in the minors for the rest of the way out. And Higashioka, for most of the year, 
with the exception of the very end of the year when he started to remember all of a sudden had a swing of bat. I mean, he was brutal. And then the sudden pickup of Trevino all of a sudden made things improved to catcher, especially defensively with his elite framing skills. So we'll talk about if there are catching improvements available throughout the offseason, but for now, I wouldn't be completely opposed to getting Trevino back. He very much slowed down at the end there, which I didn't like, but I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. I would also bring Benintendi back. Now, I know at the injury, some people may be hesitant. Didn't get too much time here, and at the very beginning, he struggled. A lot of people even gave up on him right away, which you guys know I disagreed with as well. But I want to give him a shot having a full season here. Having a terrific defender out in left field. He doesn't have much of an arm at all, but... I mean, as far as the fielding itself in left field, he's solid. And we saw how much not having a legitimate left fielder hurt the Yankees, especially in the playoffs. And also not to mention having another leadoff hitting option for a Yankee team that sorely lacked in one down the stretch with him and DJ being out. So Benintendi also provides you a solid leadoff hitter. He is also a lefty bat. A lot of people want to preach having balance in the lineup and incorporating more lefties. Well... Andrew Benintendi's standing right there. So in the outfield, after hopefully re-signing Judge, which again, I will reiterate that I do think is going to happen, but you just never know. But if it were my team, next year the outfield would be from left to right, Benintendi, Bader, Judge. You'd have Stanton at DH, and also playing the outfield when needed. I would also like another starter. And also, I'm not going to be as vague about some of these details that I am, like just saying, oh, I want another starter or another reliever. We'll get more into this as the winter goes along, when more names pop out and this kind of in-depth discussion could take place even more so when there's absolutely nothing going on because there is still baseball being played right now and nothing can even really happen as of now. So we'll get more into this as the weeks continue on. But I would also like another starter to both help out for someone like Severino who might get hurt. It's almost a, a just a guarantee that at some point in the season they're going to have to either rest his arm or he's going to get hurt again. If you're to even bring him back, there are rumors that he's that the team's going to opt in on him. But even if he is back, just add more depth to the rotation, which can't hurt, and to also help account for someone like Severino who's almost guaranteed... Just objectively so, as much as I hate to say, because I do think Severino is fantastic stuff. I love him as a pitcher, but almost guaranteed to get hurt or need rest at one point or another. So getting another starter would not hurt. Especially because it also seems like that they're getting ready to say goodbye to James and Tyone. From the way things sound, it does not sound like he's going to be returning. So... We'll see who that may be as time goes along as far as the rotation. Out in the bullpen, they definitely need bolstering. It'll obviously help once someone like Michael King is back. They definitely missed him. Peralta and Holmes are still out there, of course. And Clay Holmes down the stretch, I mean, he did still have his iffy pitches, but (laughs) thankfully he did find himself a bit more again. And Wandy Peralta was just a straight-up warrior. So they should still be there. Johnny Lowe, Jonathan Loisica out there, my main man. He was the best one out in that bullpen since returning from the injured list, of course. That has to be your closer, I guess. But I also did hear about a lot of people being really uneasy about that. 
considering that is another guy, and and people are right about this, that does seem to also be guaranteed to get hurt at one point or another and miss at least a month or two. So I understand not wanting to just outright make him the closer just right out of the gate like that because there is some unsure feelings about his health. But I mean, there is no denying either way that he is the best one out there and was the best one out there for the vast majority of the season, particularly when he came back from the IL and on. And when it comes to the bullpen, certain other arms out there, you obviously also let Britain and especially Aroldis Chapman walk without even thinking twice. Enough with overpaying relievers. Enough. So you let guys like them walk. More dead weight. I like Zach Britton as a guy. He did have his good times in a Yankee uniform. But the fact of the matter is, he can't stay healthy. He has not pitched at all for the better part of the last two years. And Roldis Chapman is a quitter. I have no use for him. Enough. So you bolster up the bullpen, given those facts to add to those big three arms you have out there. Lou Trevino's probably your four. I liked what he did since being acquired from the deadline. He's probably the best pickup that they had. I mean, I was definitely confident in him, given how he pitched in the past, in him turning himself around coming here. So I'm glad that that happened. But one thing I definitely did not anticipate was him being the best move from the trade deadline. And it was a pleasant surprise. So you have those four guys out there, bolster up the pen even more, get a guy like Michael King back. You're in good shape in the bullpen, or at least better shape than you were down the stretch here in 2022. So those are some of the things that I would do personally. I guess that would be my off-season wish list. And that's basically what our social media segment, which we're about to get to in a bit, basically asks of you. I'm curious as to what your off-season wish list is for the New York Yankees to improve as much as they possibly can in 2023. Will all of those things happen? Or will even most of those things even happen? Probably not. <laughs> especially given some of the statements already given by the organization and how unwilling they are to make certain changes. Because another change that I would make, as I said last week, I was officially on the train for having some new scenery in the front office. I am now aboard the Fire Cashman train. And even though there are issues that run far deeper than him, and he is not nearly the only issue, much smaller than that of the front office, I would not be opposed to getting a new manager as well. But Hal Steinbrenner already said he plans on bringing Boone back, which I did see coming, not only because I know this organization like the back of my hand, but also because they did just sign him to another contract last year, so it was hard for me to imagine them letting him go. So I'm not surprised about that. And that likely also means that Cashman isn't going anywhere either, because why would you expect Hal Steinbrenner, who sits back and just rakes in the revenue, Why would you expect him to dump off somebody who he is just so comfortable with having because he's just the guy that the family has become accustomed to, just handing him the keys to run the Yankee organization? That is clearly what has happened with Brian Cashman. And despite my desire for wanting someone new and thinking it's time for a fresh face, in the back of my mind, I also constantly realistically think, and I've even said this, that I doubt that that will actually happen. But that doesn't mean I can't still be aboard the Fire Cashman train. I still think that this organization could use some new leadership. And 
even some new stat gurus. How about that? Because even Michael K, who, by the way, before we get to the social media segment, I have got to tip my cap massively to Michael K and everybody on the S Network crew, the pre and post game crew, everybody. I already respected the hell out of you guys, but you have now earned even more of my respect after this Yankee elimination. You want to talk about a crew telling the truth and telling it the way that it needs to be told. Guys like Jack Curry, guys like Michael Kay, guys like John Flaherty, David Cohn. All he is. Fantastic job. I'll be the first ones to tell you. I mean, Michael Kay wanted a whole rant about how Steinbrenner, while nobody is giving him a pass, of course. This definitely partially has to do with him, too. Strapping Cashman in certain situations, not allowing certain things to happen that should happen and would help the organization. But Michael Kay also did go on the rant saying that if I were House Steinbrenner, I'd be livid right now. That I would pull Cashman and all the stat people and the entire front office into his office and, and just say, all the money that I've given you the, the ability to spend, because even though we have not spent it in certain areas that might have been helpful... The payroll is still large, and you guys still can't even get me to the freaking World Series? Something's got to change. And that's true. It is 100% the truth. And something's wrong in that little stat room there with the analytics. Baseball's always going to have analytics involved. It always has, always will, especially now in the digital age, even more so. And I'm not opposed to analytics. I balance the old school and new school mentality. I always have. But the Yankees analytics is clearly flawed, guys. Because a lot of the former world champions that have won the World Series the last bunch of years in a row, they're also heavy into analytics. So are the Yankees. But the Yankees can't seem to get over the hump. Why is that? Well, it must be because they're in denial of reality or that they're just not giving the right stats and giving the right information. This is a team that had Aaron Boone tell the media that IKF is one of the better shortstop defenders in the league, in the sport. Which maybe one stat supported IKF positively, maybe a thing or two, but otherwise, (laughs) are you kidding me? It's a blatant lie. Proven by the fact that they didn't start or even play him again in about half of the playoff games. But those are the kind of things that the Yankees dish out to the public. So these are rants and statements made by Yes Network people, by Michael Kay, that are 100% true. Things that need to change within the front office. Maybe getting a new fresh face in there like Brian Cashman getting out of there and bringing in someone new. Who that certain someone is, well, we have all winter to talk about it, like I, was, like I said with the rotation and the bullpen and whatnot. But these are things that I'd like to see happen. Of course, realistically, most of them are probably not going to happen. Maybe none of them will happen. And as far as the front office and Aaron Boone at manager, that seems to all be staying the same. And I'm not happy about that, but what the hell am I going to (laughs) do? I'm a fan talking to you through a microphone in my room doing a Yankees podcast. So that's on my wish list. 
And if most of or all of those things are done, I can guarantee you that this Yankee team will see vast improvements. And maybe then excuses wouldn't really be necessary because you'd be too busy hoisting up the World Series trophy for once. I'm not insinuating that in every single way I know better than the Yankee organization. They have more information than me or any of us on certain situations and certain things they do work out. Yes, I'm not saying everything they do is bad, but things need to change. Serious change is needed in this organization. We all know it. Doesn't seem like the Yankee front office knows it very much, but we know it. Based on the continued patterns and failures that we've had to see for the last almost decade and a half. And almost nobody eagerly awaits the day, like I do, that we no longer have to talk about coming up short in the playoffs not getting the job done, failing at the ultimate goal year after year. Like I said last week, you could almost just put these episodes on loop at the end of every year because it's becoming evergreen content at this point. Having to hear the excuses. Yes, the Yankees had injuries. Ben Tendi, DJ, King, F. Ross at the start of the playoffs there. Yeah, those names maybe would have helped a bit. But I still don't think it would have been enough to win truly believe they still would have lost. Michael Kay said this too. This was still a team that didn't know who was batting leadoff and didn't know who was even playing shortstop. Day by day, in the playoffs, in the round before the World Series, they barely used Peraza, who especially from a defensive standpoint was really proving himself. And that also, these things had an effect on who was going to be out in left field. Who was going to be in left? If not for the main three in the bullpen being Luizigo, Wandy, and Clay, and then Trevino behind him too, I guess. Who else were you going to trust in the bullpen? Marinaccio wasn't around. Clark Schmidt was being put into situations that he did not belong in. The list goes on. So yeah, injuries were there. But you can't, that gets stale, and there's a ceiling to that. Every team deals with injuries. You still got to find a way to get through it. The champions every year do. So that's basically my thoughts on what's taking place here at the end of the 2022 season. I spent about an hour and 10 freaking minutes straight just talking like that. How do you like that, huh? Like John Sterling says, how do you like that? So, those are my thoughts on this, guys. And considering that I already recapped Game 4 before for you, basically, there's really no need to do a recap. So I guess last week was really the last full-on recap of 2022 for Yapping Yankees. All that there really is left to do on today's episode, like I said earlier, is the social media segment, which, like I said earlier, also has to do with asking you what your Yankee offseason wish list is. I gave you mine, or at least 99% of it. Some other things may pop up into my head as time goes along naturally, as time progresses. But I wanted to know what your wish list is which will also tell me how much of my wish list you may agree or disagree with. 
Now again, wish list does not mean that you expect it to happen or that it even will happen realistically. It is just something that you would like to see happen. I would, of course, prefer that there is some realism incorporated with it, not something totally outlandish <laughs> that factually will never happen. But I just want to hear what's on your mind and hear what you would like to see happen this winter that could legitimately improve this Yankee team to try to take yet another run at this thing in 2023. It's exhausting. It really is. <laughs> And amidst all of it, we'll get the continued noise with the media and everything going on with Judge. Who's going to not be defeated in a bidding war? The whole thing. Nevertheless, let's get to your replies. A lot of them. Definitely not going to get to nearly all of them, as usual, unfortunately. But I'll read as many as I can. So again, the question. What is on your off-season wish list for the Yankees off the top of your head? So let's get going. Right off the bat, we've got at, what is that, at Don Sicario 1, <laughs> I think. And they say, not being accused of being the reason Judge doesn't want to stay. <laughs> yeah, listen, I love that. Totally understand. Because <sighs> according to those anonymous reports, like I already spoke about before, that might be the reason. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's true. At Sean9966064 says, Keep Judge. Yeah, it's got to be first. At Kyle J. Hutchinson says, Let Judge Walk. Why? <laughs> I just I, I just want to know reason why, that's all. It's funny, people who want Judge to walk, they'll just say, yeah, let him walk. But why? Because he didn't perform in the playoffs this time around? Like, is he really the only one that could carry them to the promised land? He already carried them to the playoffs. So, he's got to have some help. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he should perform as well. No doubt about that. I'm not completely excusing him. I haven't this whole time even though I disagree with him getting booed, but otherwise, why are you letting him walk? Up next is at Sean Shalinsky saying, sign Judge and then sign Trey Turner. Get rid of Glaber, Hicks, and IKF. Uh, Trey Turner, I just don't see it happening. I don't. Sign Judge, obviously. Like I said earlier, would not be completely destroyed if this was the end of Glaber's time here. Obviously, I want. I badly want, shouldn't just say want, I badly want Aaron Hicks gone. And IKF, yeah, I wouldn't mind letting him go either. But if it were in the case of having him back solely as utility, then I wouldn't be 100% opposed to that either, so long as he's not out there every day and so long as he's not playing shortstop on a regular basis. You want to put him at third sometimes, by all means, because that is factually his better position. Some people might want to forget, but that's that's where he won his gold glove couple of years ago. It's clearly where he's better and more comfortable at playing. So. And what of Josh Donaldson? I'm surprised I haven't seen anything about him. At Jersey Yankee Girl says, Sign Judge and Rizzo, get a true closer, and get rid of Hicks and Donaldson. There you see, that's my kind of reply. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, people. 
Rizzo and Judge, literally the first two things I mentioned and the first two things you mentioned. Finding a closer, whether it be making them making Luizaga the closer or making Peralta a closer. I personally would rather Luizaga, but I do understand people being uneasy about his health. But yeah, that could definitely also just become part of bolstering the bullpen, which, yes, that has to happen, like I said. And finding a way to get rid of Hicks and Donaldson, absolutely. Even if it's not very realistic to expect the Yankees to eat most of or all of their contracts, but if it's for the betterment of the team, guys, then it's okay to expect, because we're fans, we want this team to do the best things possible for it so that they could succeed. And that would be best, getting rid of dead weight like them. Next is at ETH1498, saying, Go get Joan Duran from the Twins. That pitcher that throws a 100-mile-per-hour splitter and changeup. Make him your analytics closer. I know it would take a fair amount to get him, but it's the Twins, and it's totally worth it. He's one of the best pitchers in the game. Does he throw 100-mile-per-hour splitters? I thought it was like in the mid-90s. Maybe he, I gotta look that up. I'm almost certain that he doesn't, but I he might. I'm, I'll see. But that's insane. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be fine with getting that. Of course, I'm not gonna shy away from that. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that probably costs an unbelievable amount. They'd have to see what they would ask of the Yankees for him. Throwing a hundred, I I don't want to say for sure that he doesn't, but I I haven't heard of that. I didn't see that. I'm looking that up now. Let me see. 100 mile per hour splitter. Oh yeah, there's there are videos here on YouTube. I gotta watch that. There's a, there's a video from Pitching Ninja. I, I think I actually follow him on Twitter too and he put out this video of a compilation of some of the filthiest pitches from this past year. Let me fast forward to see where this is. Hey, wow, he throws 100, 200, through this fastball. Yeah, the 100, wow. He hit 100 miles per hour on the splitter once. <laughs> Pitching Ninja is actually calling it a splinker. Like a splitter and a sinker, I guess that's supposed to be. That's insane. When I saw your reply, I thought you were nuts. Like, 100-mile-per-hour splitter. Nobody's ever done that before. Maybe a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, but... Wow, yeah. That's insane. That definitely had some drop to it, so that is an off-speed pitch, but it is not off-speed. <laughs> it's 100 miles an hour still. That's crazy. So, yeah, if they could pull something like that off, that would definitely be a nice piece to have out in the bullpen. No doubt, dude. I'm sorry for doubting that uh, that that existed. <laughs> I guess I just didn't do enough research into that guy. But now that I know who he is, more more so, it's pretty impressive. At Laura underscore Eismont, Laura says, re-sign Judge, Rizzo, and Benintendi. And also add a couple of bullpen pieces to replace Britton and Chapman. Good goals to have. Like I said, getting Benintendi back has a Benintendi, Bader, and Judge outfield. Because, again, a lot of people were also mentioning what's going to happen with Bader. Bader's under contract for 2023. So unless the Yankees trade him, then he's not going anywhere. He'll be back for center field. So that would be left to right. If you get him and Judge back, you bring Rizzo back, keep him at first base, make those 
infield changes that I talked about and bolstering up the bullpen. There you go. At Crusaders BBNY says, should we pay him and just how far do we go with years and money? Well, him, I assume you mean judge like everybody likely does. Well, like I said, it depends. It depends what he's going to be looking for and he should and will test out the free agent market. And he's probably going to be looking for something like 10 years. I'd, of course, be hesitant to do that since he's already going on 31. He'll be 31 towards the beginning of next year. But I would do everything I can to maybe take that down to seven-ish years and maybe just give him more per year. You do whatever it takes to make sure he stays. That's the fact of the matter. That's what I would try to do. See if you could get him to take maybe seven at the most eight years, maybe. And just drive up the annual average ridiculously. (laughs) That'd be what I try to do. But who knows, man. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Yeah, let's use that word interesting for now. (laughs) While we're at where we're at. At CPizzaIA says, Closer, get rid of Donaldson and Hicks, re-sign Benintendi, and add to the bullpen. Seems to be the general consensus around here with everybody. Up next is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life saying, Resign Judge and Rizzo. That's the top priority. After that, dump Hicks and Donaldson. Get a true number two starter and maybe a bullpen piece. Well, Nestor's sticking around. He's my number two. Sevy's your number three as long as he sticks around and manages to stay healthy by miracle. <laughs> But I would definitely get another starter, as I even said before, for sure. And definitely bolster up the bullpen. Find a way to dump Donaldson and Hicks. Even if you have to eat all of or most of their contracts, you just got to do it. Do what's best for the team. I don't care how unrealistic it sounds. And if the Yankees will or won't do it, I'm aware that they probably won't. Possibly in either case. (laughs) But it would do the team good. And there's no arguing that. There just isn't. My friend Tina at Mountain Gal 456. Tina says, Judge and Rizzo are on my mind. Need them back. Definitely. No doubt. At Yankee Ken says, Bring back Judge. Get a reliever, a starter, a left fielder. Start Peraza at shortstop on day one. I would not be opposed to giving Peraza that shot. Bring back Judge, of course. Bolster up the rotation and bullpen, yes. And a left fielder, that could be Benintendi to me. Get your balance in the lineup with the lefty, puts the bat on the ball. There's your leadoff hitter or a leadoff hitting option, along with DJ for when he's healthy. But even people have started to mention that DJ could be a problem now because of his fading health. It's not good to watch, but I'd keep DJ because especially when he is at his best and he's healthy, I mean, there's little to nobody like him with the bat. He's a great defender. And what a lot of people seem to be quick to forget is that you're still only paying DJ 15 million per year on average. And for someone of his production when he's healthy, and I know that's the key when he's healthy, especially as of these last two years, but factually, when he's healthy, that's a steal nowadays, guys. And people seem to be quick to forget that. Next is at NYY Sportsfan 96 saying, Resign Judge and Rizzo. Get rid of Glaber, Hicks, IKF, and Donaldson. Eat up some of Donaldson's money or whatever you have to. Get a real shortstop and don't play him out of position. (laughs) That's a key. Get a starting pitcher and a closer. 
Yeah, getting Judge and Rizzo back, absolutely. Like I said, would not be destroyed about Glaber. Hicks, IKF, and Donaldson, absolutely. Do whatever you have to do with Hicks and Donaldson, especially with their contracts. IKF, if you want to bring him back at a utility-only capacity, then fine. Yes, getting a shortstop that doesn't play out of position, absolutely. <laughs> Another pattern we've seen, just people playing out of position. You can blame injuries, yeah. But you could also blame roster construction. Starting pitcher and closer for the bullpen, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Lots of people seem to be on the same page with that. At Baseball Tzar, they say a good bench coach like Zim, Thompson, or Tony Pena. That's it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, good coaches obviously help out, but that's it? Nothing else? That's all? All right. <laughs> fair enough. Definitely think a lot more needs to be done, but fair enough. At Steve Zim 16 says step one, Judge. Step two, Rizzo. Step three, Hicks and Donaldson. And or IKF to Mars or Miami. I don't care. <laughs> That's it. Maybe bring me a proper left fielder and another bullpen arm, but otherwise I'm kind of chilling. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Hicks and Donaldson definitely. For anything more than a utility capacity, IKF as well. Absolutely. Whether it be to Mars or Miami, whatever, so long as it's not with the Yankees. And Judge and Rizzo. Yep. Left fielder. That's Benintendi for me. If you want to find somebody else, then fine. But they're factually not better than Benintendi, then that's another L. And bolster in the bullpen, yeah. At Medic968 is up next, saying, Bring back Rizzo and Judge. Dump and or trade however you can. Donaldson, Hicks, and Torres. Besides that, let the kids play. Continue a youth movement. Yeah, those are for guys like Peraza. Hope Oswaldo Cabrera sticks around. Love a lot of what we saw of him. And whenever Volpe is ready and or available so that the Yankees are ready for him in the sense that I'm sure they will try to manipulate his service time like they usually do with the youngsters, would not be surprised. So yeah, I'm in agreement with a lot of that. Next we have at Valeria underscore Strega. I don't want to tell you what that second word means in Italian. But anyway, Judge and Rizzo, please. Yeah, those seem to be the first steps for... A lot of people. Next, we have at Sicilian Yankee 2 saying Matthew Festa from the Seattle Mariners. I haven't done too much research on that guy. Let me see. Matthew Festa. S-T-A. <laughs> All right. Baseball reference. He's only pitched three years. He didn't pitch in 2020 or 2021. So 2022 is his first year back. Pitching 53 games, not bad. 417 ERA. Pitched 54 innings, allowed 43 hits. 25 earned runs. Yeah, not great. 10 home runs. Also not too great. 18 walks. Did strike out 64. He seems okay. At best. I don't know. I think you need better. The Yankees need Yankees need a solid reliever. I'm not saying one of the best ones or even the best, but they they need they need help in the bullpen. I'm not so sure if Festa fulfills that, but I don't know. Maybe he'll be an option. Who knows? At Jersey Resistor saying get a shortstop. 
Maybe Xander. Get a GM. No idea who. <laughs> Get a manager who's won a World Series, but that is a short list. No more than seven years for Judge. He's 30-plus and will give them maybe three to four good years. Well, for Judge, even though I'm definitely a part of the crowd saying give him whatever the hell he wants because he, he needs to stay here, and that's a fact, uh, I definitely understand not wanting to really go over seven, maybe eight years, maybe. And if it takes that to make him stay here, then you're probably going to have to absurdly boost up the annual average earnings. So I, I, I see what you're saying there. A manager who's won a World Series... Yeah, that ain't happening. Not at least next year it's not, because Boone is coming back, so it ain't happening. General manager, well, you know I'm a part of that as well. And a shortstop, well, listen, the Yankees touted up these kids so much, let's see them either be right about it or make complete fools of themselves yet again. See how Peraza does, see how Volpe does if he's ready, and if he's not ready for, for shortstop, some people have mentioned playing him at second base. Either way, give the kids a shot. You've invested everything in these kids. And unfortunately, on this, like the spiel I went on before, I said, it's also put an unrealistic amount of pressure on them, which it has. But they have done that to themselves, the Yankees. They invested a lot on them. They didn't make some key signings based on them and their confidence in them. So, give them a shot. Otherwise, you'll make yourselves look even more foolish than you already do. Next is at Rizzo0127 saying, One, judge. Two, send Donaldson, Torres, and IKF to the moon. Three, Cabrera, Peraza, Volpe, Rizzo, infield. Four, Mariano Rivera. <laughs> uh, if only that last one could be true. As far as the other ones, yeah, judge number one. IKF, Donaldson, and Glaber. It seems like a lot of people have run out of patience with Glaber. Fair enough, I guess. Where's Hicks in that? That's the one thing I would add. And IKF, yeah. I mean, if it's not just at a utility capacity, yeah, like I've said. Got to agree. But I am glad to see that a lot of people basically agree with my assessment with changing the entire infield, pretty much, with the exception of Anthony Rizzo. That's basically how I'm feeling. At Yankee Doug 27 says, Judge... A legit closer, a starter that can go seven innings every outing. Well, no starter is going to go seven innings every single outing of the year. Guys are naturally going to have some clunkers, not be able to go as deep into starts, elevated pitch count, blah, 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 blah. So that's unrealistic. I'll be the first to tell you that. Even the best pitchers on the planet have their clunkers and will not go nearly seven innings. But, yeah, definitely someone who can at least on a somewhat regular basis go deeper into games so you don't have to burn out the bullpen like we saw so much of down the stretch. Yeah, that's a good goal to have, certainly. A legit closer. Yankees have not had one in a while, you're right. And Judge, can't disagree there. At Joe Lozo, 91 says, a real closer. I can definitely understand that. Roldis Chapman put us through a great deal of pain. <laughs> Next up is at Ski7, saying not give Cashman a new contract. Well, amen to that, man. I just think he's coming back. I mean, I know Boone's already under contract, so it was easier for Hal to say that he's going to return because they just last year signed him to a few more years, three years I think it was. So, 
it was a lot easier for him to say that about him, but Cashman still has to be signed. So we'll wait and see, but I am pretty sure that he's going to be back as well. Much to my disagreement, but nevertheless. All right, next up, let's do at CarlMax72 saying, bring back Judge, get Rodon, trade for a left fielder who can hit, play the kids from Jump Street. Well, Judge, yeah, Rodon was definitely an option at the deadline. Big-time lefty starter. Did not end up coming here. I would have been in favor for that. That would have been pretty cool, but it didn't happen. Trade for a left fielder who can hit. Benintendi can hit. There was that little time when he first got here that he had a tough time, but he definitely started to improve and was really good as time went along. So if you're okay with that, then I guess you'd agree with me with that. And playing the kids from Jump Street. Why not? Especially when it comes to replacing guys like a Donaldson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, next year when DJ's back fully healthy, here's what my infield would be. If you're to do the right thing and find a way to rid yourself of Josh Donaldson and if Glaber Torres is to not be here as well what I would do is in the event that Volpe is not up to start the season which he likely won't be up but even if he isn't you could put Cabrera at second base Peraza at shortstop DJ down at third and then have Rizzo at first I mean that's one thing you could do you just change the infield. And DJ proved that he is capable of being a third baseman. And then eventually when time comes along, if you want, then you could, when Volpe is ready, and when the Yankees decide it's okay for him to be called up, if he's not necessarily ready for shortstop yet, then maybe you put Volpe at second base for a little while. And as the season goes along, things could happen. Injuries can happen. Maybe somewhere along the line, Peraza's used in a trade like he's been rumored to be in so often this last year or two, and then you don't even have him at shortstop at that point, so you could decide what to do at that time. So many things could happen. But I understand wanting to play the kids. I mean, they've invested so much in them, and they've talked so highly about them. And Peraza showed a lot of that talent that could be budding even more come next year in the playoffs, and after he was called up, especially defensively, and it was good to watch. All right, let's just do a few more. So many people I'm not getting to, but I I just can't help. There's too many of you, and only so much time that I have. We're already over an hour and a half in, for crying out loud. So let's put a wrap on this. Let's read our final two. Actually, let's, let's do one more, and then we'll do our usual final two, my girlfriend and my mom. Let's finish off with the regular replies with my friend Spencer, at Musician DMD saying, Life Rules. Number one, when making a Star Wars movie, the first rule of making any movie, it must not suck. Number two, when you need to re-sign the face of your franchise, Aaron Judge, you cannot fumble making the offer to re-sign him. (laughs) Another reply that I love. (laughs) Incorporating the Star Wars love, I appreciate that. Much credit to you, Spencer. I appreciate and respect the hell out of that. (laughs) That's how you win the key to my heart, really. Just mention Star Wars, Marvel, even anything in anime at this point. Or the Yankees, obviously, first and foremost. And these are the keys to my heart. So, that is one of my favorite replies of the week. (laughs) Just because of the Star Wars mention. But yeah, rules of life. 
Star Wars, check. Approved by yours truly. And the second one, certainly. Cannot fumble making the offer to the face of your franchise. A freaking men, Spencer. <laughs> oh, God. You guys are the best. All right. Final two. Let's finish off. My girlfriend, Vic Salimo, she says, Lock in, Judge. Let IKF go. Eat Donaldson's contract. Eat Hicks's contract if you don't trade him and or Donaldson. Send Chapman to the moon. Reorganize the entire infield except for Rizzo and get a closer. It's a lot of what I've said. Package Hicks and or Donaldson. Eat most of or all of their contracts if you have to. Get Aaron Judge back. If IKF is not at most used at a utility capacity, get rid of him as well. Could not agree more with just letting Chapman go. And yeah, especially with letting guys like Donaldson, IKF go, yeah, the the infield is going to look different and getting a closer, absolutely. All right, last but certainly not least, as usual, my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, she says, I'll keep it simple, I want Cashman fired. And to not even have a career afterwards. <laughs> Boone might be a better manager after Cashman disappears since we were basically assured that he will be back. Pay Judge anything he wants. Throw Donaldson and Hicks away. Bring up Volpe and bring back Peraza and Cabrera for the roster next year. Keep them where they are. Period. As much as I hate to tell you this, Mom... Even if the Yankees do get rid of Cashman, the guy is going to get another job very quickly. Despite my dislike of him and my disapproval of some of his moves and agreeing that the Yankees could use a change in the front office with the general manager position, I'll be the first to admit that Cashman will get a job very quickly if the Yankees do get rid of him, which again, I cannot imagine how Steinbrenner doing because he has more than shown through words and action, that he is more than comfortable with just handing Brian Cashman the keys to the kingdom and just having him take care of things. Just so long as he follows the financial guidelines, of course. Got to watch for responsible spending, as Hal Steinbrenner puts it, as he is the owner of the New York freaking Yankees. (laughs) But everything else, yeah, I mean, since Boone is sticking around, we were basically told that, I mean, it could be different once Cashman's gone. I mean, maybe the analytics department will change and Boone will be given different and or better information, perhaps. Maybe Boone will be given a bit more free reign to do what he wants, perhaps. Who knows? Who in the hell knows? Judge, obviously, yes. Hicks and Donaldson, yes. Do what you have to do there. And the kids. Yep. Hard to dispute. But guys, we have all winter to talk about these things. Starting next week is really going to be the full first Yankee offseason Yapping Yankees episode because we did still have that last game to talk about and just round off the Yankees 2022 season for this week. But next week, with no Yankee games being played and the World Series being that much closer to being over and or completely over, it'll truly be the first offseason episode. And I do have an announcement to make next week pertaining to that. But I could save that for next week. It's nothing urgent. But that basically concludes 
Another full year of Yankee coverage here on the podcast, guys. And I thanked everybody on Twitter and all social medias for sticking with me for yet another year of chaos, as I put it. It's always a great deal of fun with you guys. I love most of you. (laughs) But it's always great to be able to go through these great or bad, or just straight up crazy times, regardless of what it may be, all the times going through it with you makes it that much better. And another season of coverage, I can't believe it, is in the books. I really can't. 2022 was, in a word, frustrating. First half of the season, we saw a Yankee team that was preparing to be quite possibly the best baseball team anybody's ever seen. In late June into early July... They basically took a step off of a skyscraper without a parachute. And quite possibly, pockets filled with rocks and collapsed down to earth. And then in September, we saw it bounce back a bit. Headed into the playoffs, almost lost to the Cleveland Guardians. And then ultimately... Not only lost to the Astros for the third time in five or six years since 2017, but in the most embarrassing fashion of any of the three times. So especially to end off here, even though the first half of the season brought us joy, basically the only really enjoyable parts of the second half at least were watching Judge do what he did, chasing down Roger Maris's historic record and being successful at it, and just watching him carry the team, how special that was. There was the Pirates game that lives forever in the back of my mind as my favorite game of 2022, the one where Judge hit his 60th and then Stanton immediately followed it with a walk-off grand slam. But other than that, again, not much joy in the second half at all, really. A lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety, wondering if the Yankees were going to historically blow what was once a 15-and-a-half game division lead. Got within about three-and-a-half games of doing so, but it never happened, fortunately. But then they went into the playoffs, and it didn't work out yet again. That's basically the 2022 year in a nutshell for the Yankees. Another disappointing ending with a lot of excitement sprinkled in there for the first half, a lot of disappointment in the second half. We did get to see a lot of history being made, also with Garrett Cole now being the new single-season strikeout leader for Yankee starting pitchers. That was cool as well. But that's really it in a nutshell, guys. Again, another Yankee season wrapped up here on Yapping Yankees, and for all of us, Cannot freaking believe it that we are headed into the winter almost. That it's November in a couple of days. It's freaking Halloween tomorrow. One of my least favorite days of the freaking year next to Valentine's Day. Got to see everybody walking around in their costumes and eating stupid amounts of candy and going to parties and uh, just forget it. (laughs) That could be a whole other show in itself. So why don't I quit while I'm ahead? We're already over an hour and 40 minutes in here for crying out loud. But with that being said, guys... (laughs) A very eventful and discussion-filled episode of Yapping Yankees today. We had a lot to get through today to put an official wrap on 2022. Talk about a lot of the noise that's going on so far. Prepare for the offseason. Brainstorm some things that we would like to see happen to make 2023 hopefully a better year. But we'll see what happens with this 
stubborn Yankee organization that has a very tough time accepting that things need to change. But, like I've said, we have a whole winter to discuss these things. So, for now, that is all for episode 161 of Yappin' Yankees, guys. Please, if you don't already, be sure to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds 97 Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them, guys, like you always do such a great job at doing. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, well, episodes 34 up to episode 161 today are all available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes going all the way back to episode 1, going all the way up to today, are all available on Apple Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November the 6th, when I come at you with episode 162 and the first 2022 off-season episode, truly, of Yapping Yankees. But until then, as usual, hang in there. Be patient. Look out for your loved ones. We'll see if the Astros or the Phillies win the World Series, which one it'll be. And all the moves that will begin to happen once that is all decided for the rest of this offseason. But otherwise, like I've been saying the last few weeks, why don't you go ahead and kick life's ass this week. In the meantime, guys, enjoy the World Series. It is the last we will have of baseball until spring training in February, so soak it all in. And try to tune out as much of the noise as you can from the media that we've been getting for days, guys, because most of it, if not all of it, is not true, as really nothing can really even happen yet as of now. So let's just enjoy the rest of baseball and enjoy what will likely be a very chaotic, maybe even frustrating 2022 season for our Yankees. But in any event, I will, of course, talk to you next Sunday in the first offseason episode where the episodes will, of course, begin to shorten as there's really just introducing each show now and doing Yankees news and doing the social media segment, as there is typically for off-season episodes for Yapping Yankees in the past. But I'm looking forward to it either way and keeping the discussion alive, even through the dark and cold days of the worst season of the year being winter. (laughs) I'll talk to you next Sunday, guys. Take care of yourself. (laughs) 